You're listening to Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. I'm Celeste A. Frazier, your hostess. I'm an ordained New Thought minister who embraces all faiths. I've pastored a few spiritual communities, written a few books, performed in various media. I write, produce, and perform. I'm a visioning facilitator, a diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitator. And with Mystic Magic, we explore amazing guests to find out what the divine reveals through us and how we may benefit from this magnificence. Stay tuned. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. Hey, hey, Mystic Magic Podcast fans. We are in for a treat today because today my guest is Amrit Singh. Amrit Singh has been studying Kundalini Yoga for over 30 years. His foundation was laid in Germany in the early 90s. Amrit Singh then decided to move to India and dedicate his life's work to help build and grow Miri Piri Academy in Amritsar for 20 years. There, he lived with his beautiful wife, Ananda Carr, from Mexico, and his two kids, while he served as director of residential life. Having completed his time in India, he recently moved to Germany and now teaches in several Kundalini Yoga teacher training programs worldwide. He is a KRI certified level three professional teacher, trainer, and practitioner of Satnam Rasayan. During all these years, his true passion has always been in helping people through one-on-one coaching with a special focus on supporting people to create financial freedom while doing what they love. He has extensive experience in meditation, diet, and spirituality. He's been coaching people for over 25 years and he supports people with what they want most in life, what makes them happy, what's blocking them, and how they can make that a reality to live the life that they want to live. Welcome, Amrit, to, to Mystic Magic. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, yes. So tell me, what has been your discipline on your spiritual journey? I've done a lot of different things. I have, you know, basically covered the whole array of how disciplined you can approach this. And then when I when I hit the, the maximum, you know, I pulled myself back and said, okay, you know, it is about fun a little bit too. It's about mm-hmm. listening to your body. So I've done extreme things of, of meditating for 16 hours a day for extended periods of time to, you know, to really go deep. But that, that kind of stuff is non-sustainable in today's world because, you know, we you know, have children, I have a wife, <laughs> I have a life. And so I'm now at a point where I'm saying my discipline needs to serve me. It needs to serve my lifestyle rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. But I think what really helped me is to come to this extreme, you know, and to come to the other extreme side to see like, okay, I... I can do this, you know, I can apply myself if I want to, but I'm losing out on other aspects of my life. And so I really learned, especially in the last couple of years, that it's all so much more about balance, about going inwards and being happy with what you do. Okay. And that's probably taken some time to come to this place. What inspired you to begin this spiritual journey in the first place? Actually, it's a funny story because it it started all when I was 14, 15, and I started smoking weed. 
And I was like, oh, wow, smoking weed. This is cool stuff. You know, I'm experiencing all these other dimensions, all these other aspects, all these things I never thought were possible. But then came the side effect of smoking weed. I just did it a lot. And so I ended up being stoned for five, six, seven years straight and nothing happened in my life. Mm. So even though I experienced all these amazing things, which I could touch on, nothing, nothing manifested. I was just sitting around watching TV and eating chips, you know, which perfectly fine, you know, no, no judgment in there. But I realized that rather than being on the path to the mountaintop, I was sitting there eating my chips, watching TV, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I came to the point where I was like, okay, this, this spiritual stuff I'm, I'm touching on is, is awesome, but I can't be stoned all day. And so I found Kundalini Yoga and I, I started practicing that and I felt a little bit something similar. And I was like, wow, this is possible without weed? This is cool. I'm going to try this more. And so I really dove in deep and I, I practiced hard. And it was really hard for me, especially in the first years, because I was able to do it for a couple of months. And then I got just got swapped right back to where I was before, you know, to partying, going out with my friends and I, I did this back and forth for a period of four years where I was just at the end. I was like, okay, I'm done. This is it. <laughs> no more, no more going back and forth. You know, I'm either all in or not. Mm -hmm. And so I packed my bags, I moved to India and that change of environment really made it easy. You no, know, suddenly I could, I could keep going on. I could deepen my meditation practice. I could do more yoga. All my new friends were not smoking weed, we're not taking drugs, we're not drinking alcohol, it was super easy to meditate. And India is a beautiful country to, to learn about meditation because, you know, they have thousands of years of practitioners and just stepping in that country, you can feel it. You know, it's like stepping in a sacred temple or in a beautiful church where there's been a lot of beautiful prayer been done. You really feel it and you are just like, oh, wow, I want to sit and meditate. This is the perfect space. So that's, that's kind of what happened. So, you know, there's so many different kinds of yoga. What made you choose Kundalini yoga? I, I really didn't choose. It just happened. It could have been anything, but that was the one. Right. And, and I liked it because I had known about yoga and yoga 30 years ago was very different. Yoga wasn't cool. <laughs> you know, like today you do yoga, you're cool. Right. 30 years you did yoga. You were one of the weird people. So I never liked the whole like turning myself and hyper flexibility and, you know, tight butt and, you know, looking good kind of yoga, which is, you know, many of the other practices have become that just because it looks really good on the marketing brochure and on all these things. What attracted me in this one was the deep spiritual depth. You know, I learned about meditation. I learned about connecting with myself. I saw these other people who had just reached this really deep spiritual connection. And I was like, that's what I want. And if I have to do some yoga to get there, I'll, I'll do some yoga. So why do you now work as a life coach? I was for 20 years in India. And then after we left, you know, was like a whole calibration of my life because we're like, okay, now, now what? You know, what's the next step? You know, and like you were reading in my bio, I was teaching in those teacher trainings and traveling, but then COVID hit and, and everything stopped. And I was like, okay, what's the next thing? And I kind of just opened up the space and said, okay, 
what is it how i can serve the world how can i serve the people around me and then i realized like what i love to do and i do for free is to sit and talk to people and guide them and and help most people were usually like okay yeah, yeah, we're done you know like my kids or my wife you know <laughs> when they say get me you know when i get started they start rolling their eyes and i already know mm -hmm. but now i i i saw this new journey and i said okay you know, I'll, I'll pull this off professionally, you know, with the marketing, with a structure, with a framework, with the sales, with a website, with a whole everything. And now suddenly I was getting clients who were more than happy to pay me money for what I love to do. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> jackpot. This is me. You know, this is what I want to do. Wonderful. Great story. So tell me about the turban, why you wear it, what it means to you, how it relates to your practice. Oh, the turban has always, since the first day I put it on, which is over 20 years ago, has been for me a, a tool. It has been a lifestyle choice. I was never into the whole religion thing. You know, I always felt religion in general has become this, this hollow thing for many of us because it was just kind of handed on and said, oh, you're, you're born Christian, you're born Buddhist, you're born Sikh. So now you have to do this thing. And I was always a little bit anti that. And so when I learned about the Sikh religion, I was like, oh my God, another religion, you know, I'm, I'm not interested. But then I tied a turban and I, I tied my hair up in a, in a knot on top of my head. I sat down to meditate and I was like, oh my God, I can focus so much better. This is amazing. This is like a tool, you know, this is like a, a drilling machine to put holes in the wall rather than using a little hand driller, you know? I had this experience and discovered this very powerful tool. And I was like, I'm wearing a turban. This is awesome. <laughs> and so I started wearing it and then guess how that goes? You know, you're 22 in Germany on the street with my friends, you know, like it didn't go over so well. Everybody's like, are you, are you insane? What's wrong with you? I'm like, but it feels so good. I love it. And they're like, are you now in a cult? Are you now like, religious i'm like uh, i don't want to but maybe i don't know but the turban feels great so i'm gonna wear it <laughs> <laughs> that's great so now let's talk about what being a sikh is because a lot of people see the outer but they don't understand the inner and what that whole connection is so tell us about being a sikh yeah but what really attracted me to it was the lifestyle choices you know it was all about giving back it was all about serving others it was about serving food to people it was about uplifting those around us it was about you know serving those in need and i think this is like the root of all religion has always been how can i become a better version of myself so that i can take care of those less fortunate than me and this this really connected for me and i wanted to just be more of that and give back to others. And then it was very tightly connected to the meditation practice and to saying the prayers and having, allowing that space for myself to go in deep and to live a very righteous life. And I connected to that. I wanted to be a better version of myself. I wanted to be kinder to my environment. I wanted to be the righteous person that stands up if I see injustice on the street. I wasn't there, you know, like I was, it was much easier to look the other way and be like, oh, those five guys picking on that, you know, young kid over there. Yeah, what am I going to do? I, I might get my ass kicked. 
And so I'd rather just walk the other direction, right? So in the in the Sikh tradition, one of the things we do as Sikhs, we carry a kipan, which is a, a sword originally. It's a knife now. And that knife is really not meant to be used. You know, it's a little bit like a police officer who carries a gun and has been at duty for 20 years and never had to take his gun out because the gun is not meant to be woven around and be like, oh, look, I got a gun here, right? I'm so cool. But it's a it's a reminder of my own strength. It's a reminder of my commitment to the righteous path. It's my reminder that when everybody else turns the other way because they are saying like, oh, I don't know, I will step in that direction and say, I'm standing up for righteous action. All right. So tell me, you have been focusing on prosperity and spirituality, which is wonderful because sometimes people don't make that connection. Sometimes they think you have to be poor to be spiritual or they don't understand how being prosperous is spiritual. Tell us about how you view it. For me, prosperity is much wider than just having cash and having money in your bank account. You know, prosperity is my health. Prosperity is my family's health. Prosperity is that I live in a beautiful country where the sun is out and it's warm. Those are things of prosperity, right? If I can go to a restaurant and order whatever I want from the menu and I don't have to worry, that's prosperity. When I can give to a shareable organization because I want to serve, I want to give back, that's prosperity for me, where I don't have to be like, oh, let me count how much I have. You know, let me see how much I have to save so that maybe in three years, I still have enough money to buy food and pay rent, you know. But it's much more just going into this deep trust and this trust into the infinite, which we've been calling God in all the religions, that if I take care of others and I serve, I give back, I will be taken care of. That's for me living a life of prosperity. And that's when I come to that point mentally, then suddenly I can make more money. I can have a bigger income because in the back of my mind, I don't doubt myself that I might now become a bad person because my paycheck doubled. But I know that if my paycheck doubles, I can serve twice as good in the world. I can give more. And now it ties it back to, okay, so that means the more money I make, the more good I can do in the world. So let's go. Let's make some money. That's fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's that law of circulation, right? What goes around comes around. <laughs> so tell me about how this relates to diet. I saw something when I was reading about you that there's a connection between diet and your practice. I've been experimenting with all kinds of different diets. Like we talked in the beginning about discipline, you know, I've been very extreme on one side and being like, only this diet and nothing else and no one should eat anything else all the way to, okay, try to eat whatever you want. But when you eat whatever you want, you usually end up not feeling so good. And so I, I found this point of balance. I found that diet is very different for different people. You know, it's very different depending on your heritage, depending on your blood type, depending on your needs, depending on your age, depending if you're a man or a woman, depending on your hormonal cycle, depending where you're at in your life. There's a couple simple rules which apply to everybody, which is, don't overeat because when you overeat, you your body just cannot handle it. Don't overdo it with the sugars, with the, with the heavy white breads, the gluten stuff, the fat, or 
you know, whatever it is. And if you keep these things in balance, you can use diet to really have a, a powerful effect. You know, my favorite example is I'm a vegetarian, so I don't like eating meat because for me, when I eat meat, it, it does something which I don't enjoy. There's something from my childhood where I always was like, do I have to eat the dead animal? <laughs> I don't really want to. And my parents kind of were like, you want to be big and strong, eat that animal. And so it was this big thing always for me. So when I was 16, I was just like, okay, I'm out. I'm, I'm being vegetarian now and I'm trying this out and, and it's stuck and I enjoy it. But I come to a point now where I say like, hey, for someone else, eating meat might just be perfect. You know, if you're a warrior on the battlefield, eating meat is an amazing thing because it gives you instant energy and gives you this really powerful warrior energy. If you're a yogi in the cave, eating vegetables is much better because it keeps you light. It keeps you connected to your higher chakras, to your lightness, and it doesn't pull you so much into your body. So, you know, diet is such an amazing tool, but it needs to be used right. Okay. Can you tell us more about the Miripiri Academy in Amritsar? Yes. Miripiri Academy was a school founded by my first teacher. His name is Yogi Bhajan. And, you know, it, it came from a very small religious group. And so it was quite culty in that way. But what I always liked about it was that it was a place for teenagers to be with other teenagers. You know, because when you have a teenager at home, like I have right now, my daughter's 14, it's, it's really hard to connect, you know, because all she wants to do is she wants to connect with other teenagers. She wants to learn from other teenagers. So for me to facilitate that time for her to be in that space with other teenagers is hard. And while she goes to school, there's only those small breaks and those small moments where they can steal away, where the teacher doesn't pay attention, where they can actually have a social life. Rest of the time they have to write and do and are kind of disconnected from that. It's, it was a boarding school. So it's very much like the traditional boarding school environment, which has a lot of pros, but also has a lot of cons, you know, like being away from the parents, you know, there's the bullying, there's the, there's the whole subculture of things going on, which you rather not want. But overall, for me, looking back at my 20 years there now, I learned a lot for myself. I think for some kids who went through the time, they might have struggled because they came too early. They were in an environment they didn't want to be in. It was a lot of the, the culty outside pressure. And so that part I didn't like so much. But I did see a lot of strong um, human beings emerge from this school. So it really wasn't a cult. It just was the opinion of other people that it was. It was a way for young people to kind of come into their own. Yeah, but it was based on, you know, it was called the Sikh Dharma of the Western Hemisphere. It was based on the Kundalini Yoga practice. It was all connected and the school was just an, an arm of that. So, you know, we were quite culty in our little, you know, when you, when you look, read through the cult definitions, you're like, ooh, I, where were that one? Ooh, that one too. Ooh, that one too. I, Okay, <laughs> but you know, this is, it's just what it was. And, you know, I learned a lot from it. So I'll take it without the judgment of having to put it in a pot of it being good or bad or something. Right, right, right. So tell me, this is a question I ask all my guests who come on Mystic Magic. Can you think of one moment, some, you probably have more, when you had a mystic moment that changed your life? 
for me, probably the, the most profound physical experience I had was when I was in a, in a meditation course, which I was talking about earlier, where I meditate many, many hours, which was that 16 hour course. And on day four or five, suddenly it, it clicked, you know, and it just something happened to my physical body. I was so deeply connected that I just sat and I didn't move a finger. It was like for an hour, an hour, two hours. I don't even know how long it was because, you know, time and space completely disappeared and I just felt. And in those moments, you know, when I was coming out of it, my mind was like, okay, I don't know. Was that real? Was that not real? But it felt cool. But then I was doing some stretching because I had sat in easy pose for two hours. So I wanted to stretch my legs. And suddenly my body was able to completely fold down. You know, like many of us in the normal flexibility, it's like trying to touch our toes. We're like this far away from it. We're like, oh, that's kind of how it was for me mm -hmm. before. And then through meditation, my entire body turned flexible. I was so flexible, I put my head in between my legs without strain. And I could just relax. And I was like, oh my God, what, what happened? Did I, did I do something? Am I enlightened now? You know, and that was this experience of touching this enlightenment. And I was just like, okay, I'm done. I did it. Woo. And, and then two hours later I was gone and I was back to where I was before. <laughs> so that was great. You know, I really, I enjoyed having touched that for one second and then to realize, Hey, it's, it's daily work. It's not just a magic bullet. It's not just this, this, oh yeah, you did it. But it's about showing up every day, doing your work, serving others, sitting in internal reflection. And then it's something all of us are capable of. Yeah. When you think about the, the Kundalini being, you know, going up your spine and that's your, like your central frame, you know, of course, if you're like awakening that and, and relaxing that, then it allows you to do anything with your body, I imagine. It was amazing. Right? And I mean, I wouldn't believe it if someone would tell me the story, but because I experienced it, it, it's so real for me. Right. Okay. So are you planning to write or you, I know you have the coaching that you do. How can you serve people today? What I do is I started my journey to document my journey on TikTok and I'm actually having a lot of fun with it. So I make a little video every day and I upload something and I take these little snippets from the podcasts I do and just cut it down to 30 seconds, 45 seconds and do something which is interesting. And it feels so cool if you can inspire one person to just improve their life or one person to sit down and meditate or one person to say like, oh, Maybe I want to learn more about this. And so for me, that's such great payback for the time I invest in, you know, editing the videos and being on there. And my kids are looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, you're more on TikTok than we are. <laughs> you know? But, you know, it, it really feels right. And it feels like what I'm doing. And then later on, yeah, maybe I'll write about it. Maybe I'll put more on a blog. Or I do more. But this, the TikTok journey is really what's exciting for me right now. Well, where can they find you on TikTok? What's your handle? I, I got two accounts. One is the handle which you already have is at whole self recovery. And then my new account, which I'm more active on now is at Amrit Singh. And then it's my last name, Reinch, R-E-I-N-S-C-H. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for, first of all, saying yes to yourself, yes to a practice that makes you feel connected to source and that you can be of service in such wonderful ways and that you're open and available and that you keep going back to have fun and find your joy. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to check out our show notes for more information about today's episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and all of your favorite podcast venues. This is Mystic Magic, exploring our spirit to understand our lives. <laughs>